As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Show. A bumper edition. Barnsley and Peterborough join Derby and Forest Green in League One next season as the tights part with Poya. Oldham drop out of the EFL amid more protests. John Yems gets suspended and the EFL dish out their annual awards. All that and much more to come on this Totally Football League show in association with Paddington. Hello, listener. It's award season in the EFL, so allow me to dish out a couple more. I'm Matt Davis-Adams, winner of the Best Double-Barreled Surname Football League podcast host. I'm joined by Sam Parkin, who scoops the prize for least interested in post-match social media posts. Congratulations, Sam. Thank you. <laughs> and Sam is joined by the perennial Stat of the Year award winner, Adrian Clark. <laughs> Uh, Clark, oh. you're a bit like uh, Ant and Deck in the uh, the best presenters category at the, the TV awards. You, you always get this one. <laughs> Cheers, mate. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, what about those award winners then? Uh, Clarky Mitro was always going to get Championship Player of the Year, wasn't he? And it would have been fairly ridiculous had anybody else won it. Oh, definitely, yeah. He'd pretty get Championship Player of the Decade award, wouldn't he? I mean, it's been a very special season for him. Absolutely brilliant. There's a reason why the 20 goal barrier is 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 seen as sort of a great benchmark and for him to tip 40 it's just just nonsense really so yeah well done to him and and and, and to all the other award winners i think obviously brennan johnson got the young player of the year richly deserved as well um, first season in the championship easy to overlook that i think very much so yeah he was obviously stunning for for lincoln <laughs> It, it feels now as if he carried Lincoln, doesn't it? Looking at the way that they've they've tailed off this season, but yeah, because I, I didn't play much in the championship, but my experience of it was that it was a, it's a hard division. It's a good it's a good level of football, and uh, for him in his debut season to be this outstanding is is testament to his talent, basically. Um, but also, I think he was fortunate maybe that in that he got the right grounding at Lincoln last year to ready himself for for what's happened this year. Yeah, Michael Appleton deserves a, a pat on the back as much as the Forest Academy staff. Uh, Sam, you would have been absolutely thrilled to see your boy Scott Twine named League One Player of the Year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that, that was the right call considering who he was shortlisted 
with. Um, yeah, he's been so consistent this year. It's proved to be a really good move, although I was sad to see him leave Swindon. Uh, perfect stepping stone, I think, for, for what will go on and be a, a really good career. He's destined to be in the championship soon. Um, feel a little bit for Cole Stockton, definitely, having never myself made the team of the year. Three years running, I got 20 goals in a Swindon team who didn't get promoted. I probably know how he's feeling this morning. There's no doubt he should be in that team. Probably should have uh, changed the formation to get him in and goal of the season. You could take oh, one of three of his. Barry Bannon's goal is never better than Cole Stockton's goal at Fleetwood. Last minute, own half, harder technique. Barry Bannon's was bouncing. You know, I could strike a bouncing ball off the deck. I think it was, or, or it was definitely a, a tougher skill, Stockton's one. So, yeah, he, he's a he's one they've definitely missed because he's been unbelievable. Is there any, you know, I speak about Jed Wallace's important to, importance to Millwall. Is there anyone across the leagues who's been that important to their side as Cole Stockton has been so far to Morecambe? He's their key to get him out of trouble as well and what remains. One of those decisions, Clark, you at, where you think, that wouldn't have happened if the awards were given at the end of the season. Because if Morecambe stay up, which looks likely, mm. then it's down to Stockton in no small part, isn't it? And you wouldn't be able to leave him out then because you just look at the, the amount of goals they've scored and the percentage of them that came from him. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard one to fathom. I, d- I don't know who, who made the nominations. Was it was it a fan-led thing? Or was it you know managers, players? It's not... It's just the, this, we're not talking about the PFA team of the year here, are we? This is the EFL Awards, which is... Something slightly different, I think. So, yeah, no, I, but he should have been in it, whether they survive or not, because he's been an absolute talisman for them. He scored two of the goals of the season as well, because the one that was on the shortlist was, was fabulous, of course, but the one Sam references was, was far and away the goal of the season. So, yeah, I suppose they can't get everything right, can they, these, these awards? There's always a little bit of uh, controversy. Yeah, congratulations to the other winners as well. Uh, Paddy Lang got young player in League One. Kane Wilson, player of the year in League Two with Newport's Finazaz getting young player there. Nathan Jones, Liam Richardson and Rob Edwards were named as the managers of the team of the season. Also want to give a shout out to TFLS squad member Joby McEnough who won the Sir Tom Finney Award which is presented to a player who's had an outstanding career and contributed an exceptional amount to the EFL and football in general. Well done, Joby. Uh, so that was the awards. Next for the action, specifically that in the championship. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. So Peterborough and Barnsley relegated back to League One as they lose to promotion chasers Forest and Huddersfield. Dominic Solanke scored a last-minute penalty for second-place Bournemouth to give them a one-all draw with Fulham and deny the Whites the title for now. Sheffield United claimed a narrow win over Cardiff to stay in sixth. Millwall and Middlesbrough drew at Birmingham and Swansea, respectively. We'll start with that meeting 
of the top two at the Vitality Stadium. Could have been a huge game for both. Uh, no one told Marco Silva that it didn't really matter that much for his team. What did you make of that, Clarky? I thought it was absolutely brilliant. The, the manager of the team that is strolling to the title, being sent off, led away by the opposition manager because he was absolutely fuming at a decision in a game that doesn't really matter. Exactly, yeah. It's, well, it's that winner's mentality, isn't it? Once, once you're in the heat of battle... Yeah, there's no such thing as a sort of dead rubber, is there? It was funny. I, I think he got a little bit carried away because I kind of still think it was a penalty. It definitely wasn't clearly not a penalty. So he, he got his knickers in a twist, didn't he, Marco Silva? Um, his team as well were pretty aggressive in the game. I noticed that they, they made 26 fouls. So so Silva clearly had them had them pumped up for the game. And uh, yeah, it was not the best spectacle. I think we can all agree on that. But but certainly plenty of talking points. Not least the 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 goal for Fulham. Is that a talking point, Sam? Because I mean, the the technology for for goal line technology is either right or wrong, isn't it? It's it's pretty black and white. I thought it was a bit strange. There was a debate about it. Yeah, not really for me. Although I suppose Bournemouth are a little bit scarred because that Aston Villa Sheffield United. Goal, um, I think had the the repercussions for them. So possibly, not, I was more interested in Mark Travers's celebration, which was my <laughs> moment of the weekend. Me and Jamie Mackey thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, yeah, it's a bit busy for a goalkeeper to be celebrating a save, isn't it? So <laughs> it was quite funny when it was given. But um, yeah, no, no, not too controversial for me. Although you know, watching it live, it didn't look like the ball had gone in, but clearly it just. Gone over the line. Um, I thought Nat Phillips had done well actually against Mitrovic. Apart from that, that moment, I don't think we learned anything new about the sides. I think structurally, Bournemouth were were pretty good. Frustrated Fulham, bit more offensive in the second half. He made a change, a forced change, Billing going off and um, low coming on. Probably still not getting the the most out of his attacking threats, Scott Parker, but. Um, it, it it felt like both teams were pretty satisfied with the point. It was uh, it was one of those games. I'm not sure if everyone was being completely truthful, but both sets of players and managers pretty content to take the point. Probably in retrospect, slightly better one for for Fulham keeping Bournemouth at bay. I think you have to respect Bournemouth's record against the better teams this season. They've had 12 matches now against the top eight, and they've only lost two. I, th- I think that's really impressive. I've been quite critical of Scott Parker. I think. He is a handbrake-on manager. He's definitely sort of over-tactical at times, in my opinion. But he gets results. His team are very, very hard to beat. And should should they drop into the playoffs, which I don't think they will, that record against the better teams would definitely obviously hold them in, in good stead. They've only conceded 10 goals in those 12 games against the top eight sides as well. So he's he's pretty good at closing down the best in the championship. It, it is about can he also at the same time release the the undoubted attacking talent that they've got, and, and yeah, that that's a question that's yet to be answered, really. So, Mr. Guardiola, what's troubling you? I'm very tired, doctor. Tired, right? No, I'm very tired of winning. It's just too easy at the moment, you know. I need a challenge, like finally winning the Champions League with Man City. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, come on. 
Will Pep finally do it? At Paddy Power, we can't guarantee you a trophy, but we can guarantee you money back as a free bet if one leg of your 4 plus 4 bet builder lets you down. Paddy Power! Pre-match online bet builder bets only. Minards 1 to 5 per leg. Max free bet £10 per day. 7-day free bet expiry. Excludes enhanced match odds. Eligibility restrictions and T's and C's apply. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. So Bournemouth second, they've got 78 points from 42. Huddersfield, two points behind them, have played two games more. Forest are on 73 points, so five behind Bournemouth. Uh, but they have played the same amount of games. We'll talk more perms as we go on. Bournemouth second, then Huddersfield third. And they are guaranteed a place in the playoffs after they beat Barnsley to send the Tykes into League One uh, next term. about Barnsley in a second but but Sam we ought to just praise Huddersfield because I think was it universal certainly I tipped them for relegation when we did our predictions at the start of the mm. season but none of us saw them finishing third it's an incredible achievement would you would you rather be doing that with a couple of games still to play or would you rather sort of last day sneak in there and, and keep that momentum because he's, he's got a decision now hasn't he Corbran as to whether he gives a couple of players a rest or just tries to keep everybody right at it well having you know, watched him from afar throughout the season and getting to know a little bit more about his setup in the last few games, having covered a few of them. I think the the break now, the security of being in there will suit them because he can he can really focus on, you know, the different tactics he may adopt in the playoffs. He can get a good look at the uh, possible opponents. It's been an unbelievable season. I probably discounted them partly because of his first season, he seemed to be quite wedded to that Bielsa way of playing and it hadn't really got results. So I probably didn't foresee him being able to change so quickly. So I think that's been incredible. And I thought the signings he brought in were peculiar. What's, what's he doing here? He's gone for lads that have been around a little bit, experienced, not maybe pulled up trees last few seasons, but I think it's just testament to how good a coach he is clearly and, and his staff. Um, I think he's he's having a wonderful season. They change week after week. Again, in this game against Barnsley, it looked like Hogg was doing that, dropping in between the two centre-halves again. I think with O'Brien and Holmes, they're two guys I've mentioned consistently that can play a number of different roles. They can join in with a striker at times. They can play more defensively. And um, yeah, got the game done in the first half here. The timing of the goals, everything really for Huddersfield in the predicament they're in and the one Barnsley were in and just killed the game in that first half. So another tactical win for him and, you know, a very, very good three points to just make sure they can ease off the last few weeks. Callum Styles scoring an absolute beauty that absolutely nobody will remember in this game. And that kind of sums things up for Barnsley, doesn't it, Adrian? Mm. Now looking for their seventh boss since Paul Heckingbottom left in February 2018. They've, uh, they've got rid of Poyer Asbagi. Following the relegation, it's been on the cards for a while, hasn't it? And they are a team that bounced between the Championship and League One a bit. So you wouldn't expect this to be terminal for them. But it's such a fall from grace from where they were last season. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I, f- I feel sorry for the fans because obviously they, they didn't really get to savour and enjoy that amazing run last season, did they? And, and all they've had this year is, is misery, really. And, and, and some quite jumbled thinking. I think the owners have got to look at themselves Look at look at their appointments and, and the direction that they wanted to to take post Valerian Ismail. Clearly, 
wanted to shift the style of football in in a more attractive way, but 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 did so at the detriment of of results, didn't they? Um, I believe that they're also in charge, the owners of of, of Nancy in France, who also got relegated. So a really terrible year for them. But but as for Asbargi, I, I think he can't complain, can he? Because he he only won five of thirty six, which isn't great, but. For a short period, I think me and Sam agreed. He, it looked like there was a bit of buy-in from from the lads, a bit more flair about them. There was certainly a fresh energy when they when they went on a decent little run. But yeah, very fragile, fragile team, and and that comes, I think, with with youth too much youth. I think yeah, they don't have any players today in their in their thirties. I don't think vast majority are between twenty one and twenty four years of age, which is both a positive and, and a negative. I, I personally prefer teams that are more rounded in in regards to experience than Barnsley. So, um, yeah, look, they'll live and learn. They'll be up there next season, I would imagine, at the top end of League One, uh, trying to get back in. Sam, will they be picking a, a random Austrian to try and get them out of League One or, or will they change tack and, and go for somebody with a bit of experience in the division? I think they probably will, but I don't think they should. Um, I think going into League One... Yeah, there's something said, I think, for, for maybe having someone who's sampled that division before, knows the players, knows the teams that you can come up against. But it's about the it's about the the direction that uh, the club has been going in the last few seasons. You know, they, they seem to recruit managers to play a certain style. As Clarkie says, they went away from it a little bit this year and it's been to the detriment of the results. But I still think that they'll be scouring probably the world for the, the next appointment. They, they've probably got better resources than some of the clubs at that level and a squad of, of players who uh, have still got some good quality. So if they can maintain that and, and still bring some in, you know, good high-level League One players, then they'll be a threat, uh, I think, irrelevant of, uh, of maybe who they get in. But yeah, I'd side with someone who's probably been there and done it before. But whether that's the hierarchy's uh, opinion, I doubt very much. Someone who has been there and done it before in League One is Grant McCann, and he'll get the chance to do so again next season. Sam Surridge's first half, half goal at London Road, confirming what we've suspected for a while, that Peterborough will be a League One concern uh, next term. On the face of it, Adrian, they're the best placed of the three teams who, who've gone down to, to have a crack at coming back up, given the uncertainty around Derby and Barnsley? I think Derby, Derby should be all right, providing the... Everything goes through relatively smoothly um, because they're a big pull, aren't they? And with new ownership, new vibe there, hopefully from their point of view, Wayne Rooney's still in charge. They've got a chance, I think, Derby. They've probably got the best chance, I would have thought, of of, of getting back at the first attempt. But, but yeah, Peterborough will be up there, won't they? We They've got to sort themselves out at the back. They've not been you know, not been as loose, I don't think, under, under Grant McCann. They've tightened up a bit. But but it is still their Achilles heel. They don't don't get enough clean sheets. But what what he's done is is blood a few more of the younger players, give them more opportunities. Ricky J Jones has had more game time, hasn't he? Fuchs, Edwards at the back. These guys, I think they may be the the players to take the team forward in League One. I would imagine Peterborough will absolutely be in and around the the playoffs again. But but it's no gimme. Just ask Ipswich. You know, ask. Yeah, Oxford, these these strong teams, Portsmouth, it's it's not easy getting out of League One, and it won't be won't be a, a hell of a lot easier next year either. Sam, can you give me any hope as to Forest overhauling Bournemouth in the last couple of weeks of the season? So it's, it's five points. They've played the same amount of games. They play each other at the Vitality. Forest at Fulham 
on Tuesday at the same time Bournemouth go to Swansea um, I'll give you a more definitive answer in 48 hours after Tuesday's games how's that because <laughs> I think that's that's going to have a big bearing yeah Forest just need to go into the last two games with something to to go for given that they play Bournemouth that's got to be the ambition right now to get six points in in the next two games easier said than done but for for Bournemouth you know they've got an incredibly tricky run I can't see Bournemouth winning at Swansea and at Blackburn so I think if Forrest get the job done at Fulham tomorrow night I uh, hope that Fulham have maybe had another night out post Bournemouth you know that easily done for the lads I think they were in the West End last week after they were assured promotion yeah <laughs> if I was one of those players I would have been organising the little stay down on the south coast maybe for the, the Saturday Sunday affair um, but I'm sure Marco Silva doesn't run his ship as uh, Andy King used to run his Swindon ship so we'll, we'll wait and see tomorrow I think for you though Matt uh, having navigated these last two games, having had a couple of injuries, has got to be a real positive. And who cares how they played at the weekend? I mean, it's not as if Peter Brib were going to roll over. They had a bit of a go, I thought. Um, certainly second half, I think they got in Forest faces and they looked a bit shaky in possession from where I was watching. So, yeah, it was a, it was a, a bit of a nasty 1-0. But you will absolutely take it this stage of the season. And yeah, the other thing, Surridge, I think... Very good signing. Very good signing. Maybe not, well, he's not as complete a player as Keenan Davis, but my goodness, when he gets in in front of goal, he is so calm and invariably picks the right finish, picks the right option and just dispatches the chance. I'm sure his um, goals per minute is, is right up there. So you've got a pretty good deputy, I would say. Yeah, there's a lot on him as well now, isn't there? Obviously with Davis out and the doubts, aren't there? Over, over, yeah. over grabbing, yeah. Um, but... I mean, it was, a, it was a good finish from Surridge, but what a cross from Brendan Johnson. Left foot as well. I was looking at, at, at how he scored his goals this season and, and 14 of the 15 have been with his right foot. So it's not, not like he's, it's, it's a speciality, that, that left peg, but he made it look really, really easy. I think, I think clean sheets are clearly going to be huge for Forrest. That back three did well again, didn't they? Cook was on the bench, I believe, for the game. So that's, so that's a bonus. Um, but with so much reliance on Surridge and Johnson and the options drying up around them, then the Forest need to need to be keeping shutouts. By the way, I bigged up Bournemouth and their record against the top eight. You'll know this, Matt. 12 games against the top eight for Forest, only one two. That was a, that was a surprise to me. And only scored more than one goal once in those 11, once in those 12 games. So, so looking ahead to the playoffs, that, that trend has to change, doesn't it? If Forrest are going to end up there, maybe most of those matches took place during the Hewton era. I'm not quite sure, but it's, um, it's a, it's a mildly worrying stat I'd suggest for you. Yeah. Yeah, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What about the other playoff contenders? Sheffield United currently in sixth. They, they beat Cardiff, by a goal to nil. Back here for Basham. Gibbs White once more. Really good ball in! And a thumping header from Iriman and Jai combines again with Morgan Gibbs White to great effect. Wonderful finish and a wonderful start to the second 45 for the Blade. 
Sam, they, they've got the points. So they've got a three-point advantage on Millwall. They're, what, five ahead of Borough, but Borough have got a game in hand. And they've got a superior goal difference. So wh- why do I feel less than convinced by them? I mean, this this was a pretty drab game. And, and they seem to be kind of pinning their hopes on 36-year-old Billy Sharp to, to fire them into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, a welcome return uh, from the bench. And, yeah, didn't really have a, a, an out-and-out number nine playing in this game and I and, and Gibbs-White, who by all means combined pretty well and were a, b- a bit of a threat. But it's strange how this season's transpired. QPR away, Fulham at home, it's tricky. You look at the fixtures, I would say Middlesbrough probably have the best games, but are probably in the worst form. Mm. Um, Middlesbrough, uh, Millwall, sorry, you'd expect to beat Peterborough at home, but then go to Bournemouth. So... I think Sheffield United are going to do it. I think Sheffield United are going to do it. Probably for that tongue-in-cheek comment they made a few moments ago. I think Fulham going to Sheffield United with something on it last game of the season. I would fancy the, fancy the Blades there if they had to do it. So I'd still side with them, but would love Millwall to take it to that last game. A yeah, weird one for Millwall, isn't it, Clarkie? Because they scored a 98th-minute equaliser. In by Leonard. Forward it goes. It's a flick on by Millwall. Play. Oh, penalty, penalty given! Millwall have got a penalty of their own! Jake Cooper, I think, was the man who went down. And right at the end, Mill will have a chance to equalise again and steal a point from St Andrews. Yeah, I think they'll still be disappointed that they didn't beat Birmingham, given the turmoil at St Andrews at the moment. Oh, they, were, they, they were awful. When I was, last saw them in the flesh, they were they were all over the place, Birmingham. And yeah, it's and they've had some really indifferent results. So yeah, that, that's definitely two points dropped. It's, it's the clean sheets have dried up, haven't they? For the Lions, they're scoring more. With Burke, Afobe, Bradshaw and Bury sort of all capable of chipping in with Jed Wallace. But seven without a clean sheet. and Yeah, seven without a clean sheet coming into the most critical period of the season is, is, is not ideal. So I'd make, I'd make Millwall the, the outsiders. I agree with Sam. I think, I think Sheffield United will just, just make it. Middlesbrough will push them quite close, I suspect. But yeah, that... that that front axis of, of uh, Gibbs White and Sharp with Sander Burge in behind, they are they are good players, sort of big game players, I'd suggest. And I, I have a feeling that those three might step up between now and, and the end of play this season. And, and yeah, it would not surprise me if, if it was the Blades that, that ended up getting promoted, even if they uh, finish in sixth. So Borough, the other team in contention for that final playoff place, they did at least manage to score for the first time in five games at Swansea, but they were pegged back to draw one all. They're five points off the playoffs with a game in hand. Am I reading too much into it, Sam, to say that that Chris Wilder to Burnley story that he didn't deny and then did deny has derailed them a bit or has, has it been something else is, is it just the fact that they haven't scored any goals <laughs> yeah I think I think more that Matt to, to be honest I think he, he's kind of um, said that he's not going anywhere and he said all the right things you don't know what's going on privately I, I would say a lot of that comes down to oh, what division Burnley are going to be in but also the financial package I don't think there's too much between the commutes probably about an hour from if he's still based in Sheffield to, to both clubs I don't think that would be a factor. He's working for a pretty good chairman right now, but by all accounts, Steve Gibson seems to be a good communicator, someone uh, everyone enjoys working with. There's plans to, I think, improve the facilities training ground-wise, and Middlesbrough could be a force, you know, I would say, in the, in the championship. So, I don't know. It probably comes down to, yeah, comes down to finances and, and what division Burnley are going to be in. But right now, 
I'm sure him and his staff are, are really focused on trying to win these last few games, which Cardiff, Stoke and Preston, mm-hmm. kind of three games you would um, you, you choose at this stage. So I wouldn't write them off, but I think probably not having out-and-out goal scorers at the club and out-and-out goal scorers in form is probably what will keep them in the championship. So does that point then, Clarkie, maybe to their January recruitment not being as good as some of their rivals in the division? You know, I'm, I'm thinking Balogun as the headliner. That, that was always a bit of a gamble given he wasn't an experienced first-team player. But you know, we've spoken about the likes of Surridge at Forest and, and all the business that Bournemouth did. Maybe Borough paying the price for, for not rolling the dice or, or just not getting their recruitment right. I don't know. It, it's easy to look back on it now, isn't it? But Balogun was very sought after at the time. And I don't think he's been poor. He just hasn't produce the goal return that he would have hoped for or or Chris Wilder. Same with Connolly. We saw glimpses of him in the Premier League where he looked really dangerous, didn't we? So you can understand why they went for those two players, two hungry players, developing, fast improving. That's, that's, That's the plan. And he was giving them the big stage, wasn't he? And they just haven't been able to, 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 to grab hold of it. Unfortunately, they haven't proven to be guaranteed goal scorers. I mean, Stoke let Surridge go, didn't they, to Forest? So they they, they were obviously were, they didn't have him long. There's something about Surridge that Stoke didn't like. It, it's just about finding the right home, isn't it? Um, Sam, well, no, this is a striker. You find the right home, the right manager, the right style of play for you. It can be brilliant, but you can go somewhere else and you can be just as good a player and score half the number of goals. So I don't think they did too much wrong, Middlesbrough. Um, it's just. Yeah, it's just close and it was always going to be close. And they're still in with a chance. Uh, we shall see how things shake out. We'll know a lot more by the time we next speak to you on Thursday, that's for sure. Uh, OK, we're going to try our hand at a midweek bet builder with Paddy Power. Uh, guest producer Doogie is going to give us some prices. I'm going to kick things off. I would like Fulham versus Forest on Tuesday to have over two and a half goals, please, Doogie. Sure thing. So Fulham versus Forest have over 2.5 goals. Paddy Power give you odds of 3 to 4 for that. Thanks, Doogie. Right, we'll go to League One next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. In League One, Wigan missed the chance to secure promotion. They were held 1-1 by Plymouth, but it's surely a case of when, not if, for the Latics. Second place, Rotherham, and third place, MK Dons, picked up wins at home to Oxford and Morecambe, respectively. Doncaster all but down despite a 2-0 win over Burton after Fleetwood drew 1-1 with Wimbledon, who let the lead slip again. Sunderland are up to fourth, they thrashed Cambridge. Sheffield Wednesday slipped out of the top six after losing at Wickham, who occupied the final playoff place. And Gillingham drop into the bottom four after a 3-1 defeat at Portsmouth. Uh, let's start with a massive three points for Wobbly Rotherham, who claimed just their second win in their last six league games to move back into the automatic promotion places, whilst at the same time ending Oxford's playoff hopes. Uh, we heard what Sam thinks uh, about the situation in League One on Quest on Saturday night. So I'll start with you, Adrian. Rotherham ahead of MK on goal difference, but with a game in hand. Favourites now, 
But their last two are pretty tough, aren't they? Both teams who've got something to play for in, in Sunderland and Gillingham. So it's going to be fascinating to see whether they can use this as a springboard or whether it was a one-off and they'll, they'll regress back to their recent ways. Yeah, it's, it's really well poised, I have to say. Um, tough games, yes. I would expect them to roll over Gillingham. I would in terms of it, they're two teams that are stylistically not the same, but they're both quite aggressive and direct. And I think that Rotherham are just slightly better at it. And I think that they will they will get a result there on the final day. But it's that Sunderland game in between, isn't it? That's that's the interesting one. And, and, and for MK Dons, they won at Wigan. They won at Rotherham. They won at Sunderland. And they won at Wickham. So they can win at Plymouth, for sure. Plymouth aren't in great form. I saw them live at, at, at Wickham. Didn't play very well at all that day, Plymouth. So, um, yeah, it's, it's well poised. I, I think Rotherham will just about do it. And I, and I do feel that, that they, they deserve to as well. Sam, you love to talk Oxford, obviously. Former Swindon man. Do you think Carl Robinson will be their manager next season? That's a good question, yeah. Really good question because he's had a few attempts at it now, hasn't he? I really like him. I really like him. I really like the way that he attacks, they score goals, but yeah, they just, they're not watertight enough defensively. That lack of real solidity in the middle of the pitch, I thought was evident again at the weekend. So it's up to Carl, isn't it? I suppose. I'm sure, I think he, they probably want him to stay on, but it's whether he feels that he, he'd like a new challenge maybe at this stage. But yeah, shame for them because I've enjoyed watching them this season. Um, I thought Rotherham, last two home games, they've only really played in the second half, but... <laughs> They've they've given it everything. Uh, I thought Paul Warren, he could, he could have panicked a few weeks ago, but he's kind of just changed the personnel a little bit. Wes Harding played right wing back. He's got a bit more pace in his back line. Ogbeni going centrally in this game was pivotal. I think that's good management. You know, if you change this late in the season with the amount of games, you know that can probably have a, a detrimental effect on your side. So I think he's been clever. They've got the results, but just to add what Clarkie said, Away from home, four games, no wins, no goals for Rotherham. Going to Sunderland and Gillingham, going, right, yeah, not the worst games ever, but they're in, they're in real bad form away from home. So it's set up beautifully because, as Clarkie again says, MK have had some uh, some big scalps. Yeah, I'd echo completely what, what Sam said about Paul Warren. I think he's very clever when it would have been easy to, to get a little bit panicky and frazzled, he stayed calm, which was good. And and I, I would also, with, with Robinson, I like him as well. I get the feeling, and I don't know this, I just get the feeling that, that he's not happy with the people upstairs, that he thinks things should have been sorted contract-wise with a number of his players. He's referenced it a few times. He was a little bit cryptic at the weekend, I believe, when, when asked, um, you know, what could have been the difference this season, I think he feels that a number of his players have had their heads turned or been distracted by possible free transfers. And, and, and yeah, it depends on whether that relationship is fractured or not. That might be, you know, that, that will decide whether he stays at Oxford or not. But I do rate him. Um, just He just needs to get... One more little defensive bone in his in his body, really. I think that's from a tactical point of view. It's a little bit more caution there, and and I think he'll have struck on the right formula. Uh, so that was Rotherham. MK Dons responding in kind with a home win of their own. It was two nil against Morecambe. The supporters 
I left saying, oh, Harry, darling, after his individual <laughs> brilliance in the first half, Daniel Harvey uh, made things a bit more comfortable late on. <sighs> Tough game, as we've mentioned, uh, against Plymouth to finish. They're just going to rue those successive defeats to, to Chef Wed and Oxford, though, aren't, aren't they, Adrian? They, they look to to have really scuppered their chances of a, of an automatic promotion play. If it does feel like they might have blown it, doesn't it? Yeah, they, they, those were games that they would have expected to win, and and they didn't. This was a good bounce back, wasn't it? It was a really comprehensive win. I think seven shots on target, none for Morecambe. Absolutely bossed the ball as they do. So yeah, it might be that the one that got away. It, it, it depends, doesn't it, on, on this Rotherham-Sunderland game. That might give them a little bit of incentive or extra incentive going into the last day. But uh, it's been a triumph of the season, no matter what happens. Liam Manning has, has proven to be a, a wonderful appointment. Uh, he's, he's, he's now elevated himself to, to, to be regarded as one of the country's brightest young coaches. And they are one of the best teams to watch outside of the top two divisions. Actually... Outside of the top flight, they're one of the best teams to watch, aren't they, MK Dons? And, and, and yeah, that's something to to applaud them for, I think. Sam, are you with me that um, Liam Manning looks like he could be Eddie Howe's younger brother? It's really struck me today. Yeah. Are you going to throw in something about milky bars here or leave, leave it there? Um, yeah, it could be. And if that, um, I don't know what way to, to phrase it, but if he was to get promoted now, I suppose, and Kieran McKenna hadn't started so well at Ipswich, shooing for the Ipswich job. I know he was in the in the running, um, but it just probably came a little bit too soon. But um, that's certainly something that'll probably happen at some stage because he um, he cut his teeth there, play, playing in the academy sides and also and also coaching. And yeah, the most points over the last twenty games in in League One. I mean, this isn't a. Uh, a handful of games. Um, he's been unbelievable, unbelievable since he got that job. So, um, yeah, let's uh, let's see what happens next week. But um, I think even you know if it's if it's via the playoffs, he will be hugely um, commended for what's been an unbelievable first season. Uh, have you both got Morecambe safe? By the way, Sunderland at home, final game for them, two points above the relegation zone. They, they seem to have been discounted from the from the conversation of, of relegation for now. I do, but. They're still in it, aren't they? They're still in it. Yeah, the, the one stat from the weekend I, I noted down, um, they've lost all 14 games when they've gone behind away from, from home. Um, so that controlled MK Don's performance probably wasn't just a one-off. I think they they struggle really when they, they, they obviously go, go down in games. Yeah, and they've obviously got a really tough game to, to finish as well. Sunderland, isn't it, I think, mm. for, for Morecambe, which is by no means a, a game you'd anticipate them taking points from. But... I mean, Fleet would have won one in 19. Uh, Wimbledon, of course, uh, are pretty much gone now. And Gillingham have got incredibly tough games to finish as well. So I think at the bottom of the table, it's an obvious thing to say. It's it's having the points on the board. Because those those games in hand or, you know, those nice-looking fixtures, easier said than done as Wimbledon have proved in the last few weeks, losing to Crewe and failing to get the points that we maybe anticipate them getting. So... Yeah, I'd much rather be in Morecambe's position. Yeah, it's Gill- Gillingham Rotherham is the game, isn't it? I think if you if you think Gillingham are going to beat Rotherham, then then the others come into it, don't they? But I just I just can't see it. I think that might be a, one of those occasions where you've got one end of the ground, you know, lapping up the celebrations, and the other end feeling fairly desolate. So, but we'll have to see which which way that is. Who knows? 
speaking of desolate, at Highbury Stadium, it happened again. Wimbledon went in front only to surrender their lead, meaning they are all but relegated due to their inferior goal difference. Big point for Fleetwood. This moves them out of the relegation zone at Gillingham's expense after they lost at Pompey. They're above the jewels on goal difference with two games left. Gillingham only have one more to play. Really has been a race to the bottom, this, hasn't it, in, in League One, Adrian? He, as Sam pointed out, Fleetwood have won one of their last 19. Wimbledon's last win was actual last year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we, we've said that League One is the strongest it's been in many, many years. And, and when you look at the top half, absolutely it is. But yeah, the bottom teams, those in the mix, have, have been pretty dreadful, haven't they? And yeah, that none of them will be feeling that good about themselves no matter what happens. Yeah, the Dons, to go that long winless, you can't expect to survive. And 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 I know a lot's been made about them letting leads slip and, and it's huge. Let's just put this in in reality. They've had they've had a one nil lead nineteen times, and they've converted it into a win three times out of nineteen. I mean, it's just, it's just appalling. So, um, yeah, and I, and I feel sorry for uh, the goalkeeper a little bit. Very very costly mistake at the weekend at Fleet, Fleetwood with the free kick, and uh, yeah, a lot of you know. I'm sure people won't be sort of pinning their relegation on him, but that was. That was a, a huge lapse in concentration, you have to say, or awareness as well as concentration. You can say, I didn't hear the ref's whistle. You can complain whether you didn't know the ball was live or dead, but you, you need to know. Um, it's, it was a, it's a big, big moment in the season. And uh, yeah, they, credit Fleetwood, by the way, for, for punishing that mistake because that was a, that was a really well-worked free kick to to level the score. So this was Nikola Zanev, for anyone who didn't see it, the, the Wimbledon keeper, forgetting that he'd been awarded a free kick. He'd, he'd got some treatment in, in this sort of interve- intervening period. Then he took three touches of the ball, which obviously you can't do, from uh, from a free kick. Had an indirect free kick awarded against him, from which Fleetwood scored. Mark Bowen said, our keeper's done nothing wrong. He just didn't hear the whistle. That feels like a bit of a reach for me, Sam. And also, Bowen was kind of criticising the the officials in recent weeks as well. And again, you think, come on, mate, you've dropped 39 points from winning positions and you haven't won a match in 2022. It can't all be down to, to bad refereeing. It seems a bit of a shame to, to go out on a sour note like that. I'm not even too sure what whistle he's referring to, to be honest. I think there's a lot of uh, excuses. He said this going on. Ultimately, I think this was a team desperately trying to run down the clock, in essence. And they spent the majority of the second half doing so, understandably, because they'd not scored more than one, I think, in the last 11 now. So I wouldn't criticise Mark Bowen for trying to ruin the rest of that game and get over the line by any means possible. But um, yeah, that was a, a product of a goalkeeper trying to wind down the clock and, and they got punished and yeah didn't didn't create enough on the day. I think they had two shots after Luke McCormick give the, gave them the lead. Probably, well, there's definitely more goals in the Fleetwood lineup. You know, you look at Harrison and, and Garner, I think seven and, uh, and six uh, respectively for those two. That's where it's fallen short, definitely, for, for Wimbledon. Cosgrove's not been an adequate enough replacement for uh, Palmer since he was allowed to leave and not add threats across the pitch. I think McCormack's uh, one of the only pluses in in the, the, the recruitments. So, yeah, 
there's been a, a number of flaws as to why they're in this position now. Um, it's not all down to the goalkeeper at, at the weekend, but that was a very costly error. Sam, do you know, by the way, who whether Dan Butterworth, the substitute that got subbed, whether it was, was injured or tactical? Do you no. know whether? No, because if it was a tactical decision to sub off the sub, Butterworth for the guy who, who, who scored the goal, Garner, then, then that has to go down as one of the most inspired managerial changes of the season, doesn't it? Because Garner's finish was was, was top notch, and it's it's always it's always quite a ballsy move, isn't it, from from a gaffer to to remove a player that was, that came on earlier in the game. So yeah, if that was tactical, uh, sort of tip my cap to to Stephen Craney. Let's tip our metaphorical cap as well once more time to Paddy Lane because we had a good laugh at his red card last week. But for him to get Young Player of the Year in a team as bad as Fleetwood is damn impressive, I would say. That's what you get if you spank a few goals in the top corner. You get get a bit of attention, don't you? Well, try telling that to Cole Stockton. Um, Okay, let's carry on with this midweek bet builder. Sam, what was your pick, please? Fleetwood, Sheffield Wednesday, both teams to score. I think it's... Wow, it's the... A massive game, massive game, and Fleetwood have got to go for it. They've shown, I think, this season that they're capable of getting you a goal in comparison to some of their rivals down the bottom. So they'll have to come out, and and Sheffield Wednesday, likewise. I thought, I wouldn't be too critical of Darren Moore's team selection, but it was slightly different in that I thought it was more focused on defensive nous rather than how they could hurt Wickham at the weekend. So I would expect them to be more on the front foot now that this is their game in hand and they, they must win. So I think both teams going for it here. Uh, Clarky, you're our betting expert, so you're getting two picks. Your League One <laughs> selection comes from the aforementioned Sunderland-Rotherham game. Yeah, it's huge, isn't it? I just don't see a high-scoring game here. Um, Sunderland have obviously been amongst the goals a little bit of late, but not against the top sides, particularly um, Alex Neal. Is, um, I think you'll have a lot of respect for, for Rotherham, who will go there knowing that a point really puts them in pole position, doesn't it, ahead of the... Uh, obviously, a win is is invaluable, but but they might take a point, and it's a really, really difficult game. I've been looking at Rotherham's form at the, at the top sides this year on the road. Um, six matches against the top eight, away from home, five clean sheets. Um, just one goal conceded, and that was against... Wigan Athletics, so they know how to go to the toughest places and tough it out, Rotherham, and I think that's what they might do here. So under two and a half goals, please. Uh, Doogie can give us the odds on that. Sheffield Wednesday versus Fleetwood, both teams to score is nineteen to twenty, and my team Sunderland versus Rotherham to have under two point five goals is thirteen to twenty. Thanks, Doogie. League two next. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Forest Green Rovers are promoted. Exeter are just a win away from joining them. Oldham go down as protests force their game with Salford to finish behind closed doors. Barrow and Stevenage are safe. Well done to them. Change their managers 
at the right time. And Crawley might be changing managers soon too. John Yams suspended by the club over credible accusations of discriminatory language used to players. Uh, Yem said it was the first he'd heard of the allegations. He hasn't been contacted directly by the club and is not currently in a position to comment, but hopes to do so early next week. We'll have more for you on that on Thursday, I'm sure. We'll talk about the misery around Oldham Athletic soon, but we need to talk happy stuff first, and that is Forest Green Rovers getting promoted. Uh, doing it in the style we would expect of them, Adrian. Not the nil-nil draw against Bristol Rovers, but the fact that they got there by electric coach. Very on brand. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Tremendous. Tremendous. Um, yeah, electric. I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in electric cars. I've got to say. I don't know if in my next one will be, but maybe the one after that, I think it's, I think it's the way forward. But yeah, well, well done to them. Yeah, 19th clean sheet. Of the season, I mean, yeah, they they're not not been in great form. We know that. Obviously, lost lost Stevens to injury. The form of Jamil Matt coinciding with that was was not ideal. But yeah, this was this was a this was a, a good way to go up. I think going to a real informed team, full house, tough test for them, and they they show what a good team they are and why why they deserve to to be in League One next season. Yeah, Rob Edwards again. We, we've bigged up a few managers on today's show. Manning, never managed in the EFL before. Rob Edwards, the same. Um, you know, first job in the EFL. Superb. Sam, I was going to say, are they in danger of having any players picked off over the summer? Cadden, Stevens, Wilson, all in the team of the year. But actually, Clarkie talking there, it makes me wonder if they have a good start in League One next season. You know, might one of the big clubs in League One or somebody struggling in the championship try and pinch Rob Edwards, maybe? That, that's a bigger concern, perhaps. Definitely, yeah, absolutely. I think what Forest Green have got going for them is they'll they'll probably have the the resources to make themselves into quite a competitive League One outfit. I would say straight away, and there's been good examples of that recently. The the gap isn't a big one. Um, they're ready for this because they've been at the the summit of League Two for a number of seasons now. That probably helped them in this in this running, despite you know, uh, stumbling somewhat towards their promotion. But no, I think they're they're well set and I'm sure Rob Edwards will see it as, you know, valuable progress for his career having a, a year in League One. And yeah, echo what Clarkie said, I think in every department really, they've been the best. You know, you look at Ebu Adams, one of the best driving midfielders in the level, two strikers. Um, you know, I know Stevens has been injured, but they've been magnificent defensively, incredible. And again, the nucleus of the same squad that Mark Cooper and Jimmy Ball had latterly the last few seasons. Um, not a great deal has changed, so they know how to to play the three five two. And I'm sure it's just Rob Edwards's man management skills. I reckon I re he looks like someone who allows the players to get on with it. You know, solve your problems. I'm not going to rant and rave from the touchlines, and the players look to have really bought into it. So I don't think we can can undervalue exactly what he's done in his first EFL job. Incredible achievement to be up so comfortably. Um, and I'm sure he'll go on to bigger, better things in time. But next year, Forest Green in the, in the League One playoffs is not the worst shout you'll ever hear. So Oldham Athletic joined Scunthorpe in League Two next season after their relegation was confirmed following a protest-interrupted defeat to Salford. Philip Buckingham was at Boundary Park for the Athletic and joins us now. Uh, Phil, first of all, tell us about this protest. How long did it take to unfold? How long did it go on for? And, and presumably it was a pre-planned thing. It felt quite spontaneous, in truth. Um, we, we went to, to Oldham on Saturday, um, largely because 
there was there was the possibility that they might get relegated. It felt quite unlikely, in truth, given that both Barrow and Stevenage both had to win. And and for for long periods of Saturday afternoon, the 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 mood within the ground was quite supportive. Oldham fell behind just before half time, and and midway through the second half, it became clear that uh, results elsewhere were going firmly against Oldham, and and, and it felt pretty spontaneous. There was a group of supporters down at the front of the, the Joe Royal stand that, that came onto the pitch. This was about 11 minutes to go, um, and then from other areas of the ground as well. And I think, you know, when it was at its, when it was at its height, uh, I suspect there was several hundred on the pitch, maybe even close to a thousand, um, and largely peaceful. There was, there was young children, there was, there was men and women, old people, um, and a, a lot of people just sat in the centre circle. Um, and I think it was, it was roughly about 25 minutes after the initial interruption that the message went out over the tannoy that the game was being abandoned. But it still took an awful lot of time after that for, for supporters to clear. And I think the, the very last ones were, were roughly sort of an hour and a quarter after the first infringement. And, and, and that was when the sprinklers were turned on them, which was it sort of added a bit of comedy to it all, really. Obviously, a, a tragic day for Oldham, but at times the, the scenes were quite comical and... Those in the media were, were, were informed that it was the um, it was the intention of the of both teams to to get this game finished, and they'd been speaking to the EFL, and they, and they made it pretty clear that it was the aim. Once um, once the, the 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 pitch and the surrounding area was all cleared, that, that the game would get would would go ahead, and and those final eleven minutes plus stoppages would would, would be played. But a surreal afternoon. I, I can't think of anything like it that I've been to at a football match before. Yeah, from your perspective, how strange was that that you know that you were told or the media were told not to report immediately that the game had had restarted and and it was kind of a throwback to lockdown football, wasn't it? I suppose and and for for something that seismic, Oldham, the first founder member of the Premier League to be relegated out of the Football League to to happen with nobody around to kind of commiserate with for the the players, it must have been bizarre. Yeah, almost symbolic of the of the mess that Oldham finds itself in was um, the the stand opposite the main stand. That's the Joe Royal stand, the the newest one at Boundary Park. Um, that's got a supporters bar in it. To, to the best of my knowledge, Oldham Athletic don't have control over that stand, and so the the supporters are drinking in that bar, and they they can see that this is happening. They they start congregating in, in front of a glass door that overlooks the pitch. They can't clear that bar, so you know. Stewards are repurposing advertising boards to block up their view. It was it was utterly bizarre. But yeah, from from, from a media point of view, very very strange. At one point, all external media were told that they were going to have to leave, and then I think I think it was made clear, and obviously it was soon on social media that this game was going to be happening. And there was like a fifteen minute warm up before the game restarted as well. And um, such a sad day for Oldham Athletic, and, and no comment from the club as yet as we, as, as we record this. Uh, Nothing from John Sheridan after the game either. So there's just been this eerie sort of awkward silence that's that's followed Old, Oldham's relegation, and it's quite in, in, indicative of, of, of where the club finds itself. So it's it's the owner and his brother that they're protesting against, and have been all season. Abdallah Lemsagam. Is, has he shown any real desire to actually sell the club? I know there were those noises made about credible bidders a, a few months back, but that quickly went went quiet. He he wasn't there for the game on on Saturday. Do you think the fact that they have now been relegated will mean that he's more likely to to cut his losses, or, or will he want to try and get them back and make a bit more money selling them as a, a football league concern again? That's the question that I would love to ask him, and, and I suspect most supporters would like to ask him as well. The the silence from him has been deafening since January. You know. The suggestions 
credible suggestions that, that he wants six million pounds to sell that football club, which is fanciful, really, given that given that the the ownership of the ground is is, is not his. It's 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 rent. It's a long term lease. You know, so he's effectively paying six million pounds for the, for the badge and, and and the team. And and as a national league club, that is that that just isn't going to happen. And you you just hope for for Oldham that this that this somehow is is the darkest hour because fans are mobilising against the owner now and a lot that I spoke to on Saturday said that as long as he is the owner from now on they will no longer be going to games. I know a lot of fans have already taken that stance so crowds will be, will, will, I suspect will crumble in the National League if he's still the owner. Income will will, will fall off a bit of a cliff edge as well with, without solidarity payments coming from the Premier League. And when you look at that National League and the team's trying to get out of it now, the, the, the financial backing they have, the, 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 in, in a lot of cases, uh, how many fans they have coming through the turnstiles, Oldham will be really up against it to, to even be in the promotion mix as it stands. It needs, it needs a transformative change at the top of that club because as things stand, it, is, it doesn't feel fit for purpose. And, and the lack of communication from the owners to supporters only sort of entrenches that view really that, that this is this is unsustainable it, it can't go on w- without causing serious damage to the to the club long term yeah fascinating summer ahead for them and hopefully as you say this is the darkest moment and the dawn will come before too long uh, phil thanks so much for joining us today appreciate your time no problem take care adrian fascinating uh, to hear how the day unfolded there i just wonder what what the players made of finishing it behind closed doors in terms of the alderman and the salford players particularly i'll ask sam about the rest of the league in a minute but mm. that it felt like the best way to do it didn't it there was no other way that could have been a satisfactory conclusion for everybody yeah yeah in a way yeah it was probably a mer- you know mercy on the players as well it was it was quiet you know <laughs> have their ears ringing and I know that most of the sort of uh, anger was, well, almost all of it was was directed at, at the club ownership. But yes, it's yeah, it's not nice for for the players either. But it, it, they haven't had a had a great season. Yeah, it was probably fitting that it was played out behind closed doors. It was just it's just been weird. I think that we we all sat here at the start of the season and we looked for who's going to be the crisis club. Last year it was Southend. Previous season it was Macclesfield. I think we were all in agreement that that it's Oldham. And I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we all tipped them to go down because because we could foresee what what was happening here, and and yeah, it's it's incredibly sad for them. All, all I can say, and it, it's different because they've dropped out of the EFL. But look at Blackpool. The, the Blackpool, the club that that had the ownership that was despised, hated. Fans were on the pitch not that long ago, protesting, getting games cancelled because they were so so fed up. Oldham are in that place now, but look what happened to Blackpool. They got the right owners in, and and they've they've gone on an upward trajectory. So so I hope that happens to Oldham, but but yeah, it feels like they're coming from from slightly further behind, doesn't it? Being in the National League next year, where where I fear they might get you know swallowed up by by a lot of well-run clubs. There, I, I couldn't I couldn't see them certainly not under this ownership being anywhere near the top half. Sam Salford would have been fuming if if this game had been abandoned and then they said, oh, we've got to replay it another time or whatever, wouldn't they? Because the win leaves them just a point outside the playoffs. So they would have been sweating, I guess, when those supporters came on the pitch and then the game was announced as being abandoned. Yeah, that, that's, that's the other side to it, really. There was a team out there um, 
last throw of the dice really for them. They needed maximum points to give them an opportunity. So, you know, the supporters aren't thinking about that at the time, but there's a lot of other ways to show your discontent um, and your anger towards the owners. I think going on the pitch, it's something that should never happen. Maybe the authorities should have really planned for that because it seemed inevitable. You know, I'm thinking back to supporting QPR when there was anger towards the hierarchy, that feeling around the ground, it only takes one or two goals to get conceded for that outlook to look a little bit clearer. And then that siege mentality kicks in amongst supporters, doesn't it? So it wasn't great scenes. Understandable because of the way that club has been run. When you just look at the list of managers over the last decade, what chance have you got as a player? So I think for all the relegations we're going to see, over the next few weeks, the players, you know, don't take a great deal of responsibility for this. It's been mismanagement over a number of years. And I said it on Saturday and got uh, hammered uh, by Colin Murray, but <laughs> I spent three months there. It was a really valuable three months for me. And I, it's a, it's a big club, Oldham, you know, really well supported in the community. Obviously, great history. Um, had some really good times in... In in my years, they've had some good spells, sorry. I think we were on the cusp of the championship under Ian Dowie, so it should never have happened. And they, a stone's throw away, they got Berry. Uh, we know the problems there. You know, hopefully they can sort themselves out because they got the, they got the potential to be League One, top of League One side, unquestionably. Yeah, it was kind of fitting in a way, not fitting, but... It sort of put it polarised what was going on, the fact that they were sort of taken out of the league by Salford. You know, a club years ago who were pretty much, you know, way down the non-league ladder, just round the corner, wouldn't have been on Oldham's radar when they were in the Premier League. Yet, you know, you can like or, or loathe their owners, but, but they are progressive, they're ambitious, and they've got excellent football knowledge, haven't they, at Salford? And one and, of them's Paul Scholes, Oldham's <laughs> favourite son. <laughs> exactly. So, they've, you know, they're on that upward trajectory and, and just having people in charge that that don't seem to have the club's best interests at heart and certainly don't have good enough knowledge of the game, um, you can see the difference that, that it makes. I'll hammer the players quickly. 72 goals last season, 43 this. I mean, that's some drop-off, isn't it? I mean, we spoke about them being the entertainers last year. Uh, they conceded more, by the way, last year. But, I mean, that's um, some fall from grace for the front players. Oh, well, hopefully they'll be back before too long. Uh, OK, let's round off this bet builder then. Clarkie, what was your League 2 pick, please? Yeah, I'm going to go down to the West Country for this one. Exeter um, against Barrow. Barrow are safe. So I think that the that, yeah, motivation has sort of gone for them. They had a player that was sent off at the weekend. So they'll be weakened by that. It's a long, old way to go. Um, and there's great motivation for Exeter here to to get the three points. So I've, I, they're a bit short on their own, Exeter, to win the game for obvious reasons. But if you pair it with and over 1.5 goals, so effectively you're only taking out the 1-0 win, then you stretch the odds. So that would be my pick in League 2. Uh, Dookie, can you give us the odds on that, please? Exeter to beat Barrow is currently 4-7, to seven, and over 1.5 goals is 3-10, to 10, meaning the total value of today's bet builder is 0.86-1. to one. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. It's over 18s only. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. We mentioned Barrow there, or Clarkie did, in his bet. I wondered if you could analyse the tweet of the week for me. It comes from Josh Kay, the player who got sent off. 
He says, sorry to all the fans for the red card. Had to do it the Barrow way, though, didn't we? Uh, frowny face emoji, red heart emoji. Enjoy your night, everyone. Thumbs up emoji. There's only one Tyson Fury. Shout out at Paul Farman 23. Love you, red heart emoji. There's a lot going on there. Probably one that he may regret the following day. It, it sounds like alcohol may have been taken. And, and given that it was on the survival day, I'll let him off with a yellow. I let him off of a yellow, which I'm sure he would have okay. um, he would have welcomed at the weekend. All right, so not an award-winning tweet, that one. But as it's been awards season, let's dish out some of our own before we go. Uh, my first category that I just made up this morning, favourite team to watch. Who would you go for, Adrian? <sighs> not an easy not an easy one, this. Um, I've gone for two. It's two East Midlands clubs. I really It's pretty because pretty I've watched a lot of them in the flesh. But I really enjoy watching not- Nottingham Forest. It's not to blow smoke up your ass. I do like watching Nottingham Forest. I love the way that they attack at pace, particularly via Johnson. But in, in general, I've, I've really enjoyed Cooper's revolution. Um, and Coventry. I mean, there's only one team that's had more shots from open play in the championship than Coventry, and that's Fulham. Um, they, uh, they're a very well-rounded team, Coventry. I like them. Tactically astute. They'll, they'll press well on occasion. And then they'll, they'll really get at you fast and hard. And I love that. And Hamer, Jacques, O'Hare, Godden, etc. I like watching them, especially when they're when they're on a hot day. And, and, and when they've been on a hot day, they've been you know, pretty unstoppable. So, so they're the two that, that stand out for me, but there are tons out there. Yeah, I went Forest, obviously. Sam, what about you? Yeah, I had both those, those clubs that Clarkie mentioned. Um, further down the, the leagues, I'd have Oxford, MK, Forest Green, Swindon. I mean, it's... Quite difficult, as Clarkie said. I'm glad he said that. I'm going to give you a 45 minutes that I've seen live. <laughs> Fulham against Birmingham at Craven Cottage, 4-1 at half-time. Carvalho yeah. was like Messi. Yeah. That's the best 45 minutes I've witnessed. And I don't think we can have this category without saying how great you know Fulham have been going <laughs> forward. Yeah, that's fair enough. I saw them uh, take Forest apart in 45 minutes as well. Yeah, I did too. Um, Biggest surprise of the year. Adrian, I went for Sutton here. Any advance on Sutton? They're on my shortlist. Yeah, I didn't expect it. I'll give a nod to Plymouth. I think we've covered this ground enough. Um, But but yeah, Plymouth. Do you know what? I'm going to go for two players that have really surprised me. Um, Andy Vyman, 20 goals, nine assists. Would never have called that for a Bristol City side that that were nowhere near the top half. Um, and Victor Jokeres as well. You know, Swansea didn't do much. 15 goals. I think he's been outstanding for the Sky Blues. So they're, they're two really surprised players for me. Sam? Yeah, I had Sutton and Plymouth as well, but I suppose I'll go Championship and you couldn't separate Luton and Huddersfield, uh, I would say. Uh, and players, uh, I'm going Harry McCurdy. Five league <laughs> goals was his are. best return before this yeah. season for Port Vale, 18. He's got 20 in all comps. You would never have seen this happening and you would never have envisaged a player going up to get their trophy at the EFL Awards wearing a bucket hat. <laughs> but it's happened. <laughs> it's happened. And what, do you know what, what also adheres me to, to McCurdy is that he's not massive. He's not powerful. He's not overly quick. He's just a good finisher with, with with a good sharp football brain, isn't he? And I think it's like a throwback in a way. It's not he's achieved what he's done by being canny and cute and using his finishing ability rather than sort of physical attributes. Which I don't know. Don't give you. Don't give me as a as a neutral fan as much enjoyment. 
sharp football brain, sharp sense of style, some might say. Uh, biggest disappointment of the season. What did you get for this, Sam? Oh, it's the easy, easiest category, isn't it? <laughs> All, one, two, three, West Brom. Oh, okay. That's not who I've oh, gone it's, for. Uh, it's top of my list. Yeah. Is it? It's right, shocking. Okay. It's right. Probably followed by, in the championship, maybe followed by Stoke. Just because of... Um, yeah, because I went all in on them a couple of years ago and I'm still angry about that. But maybe if you look at the playing squad, you know, Stoke to finish probably this far outside the playoffs is a shock. But yeah, West Brom for me uh, with the, the calibre of the player. Yeah, it's been quite sort of sad watching them actually, Clarky, hasn't it? It's a morose experience watching a West Bromwich Albion game. Yeah, they're just boring as well. Not only have they not been very good, they've just been dull. So yeah, yeah, horrible campaign for for Baggies fans, and and yeah, they they just can't wait. I'd imagine for next season and a fresh start, um, especially after the way they overpowered teams in those first few weeks. You just thought, well, they're they're going up. Um, so so yeah, the, the come down must be huge for them. The other two I've got pretty easy: Lincoln, twenty seven points down on last season, really bad campaign for them, and and, and Bradford, sixteenth. Uh, I think we all tipped them. For a promotion, certainly um, top, you know, top top six, but sixteenth and, and and have been bang average, haven't they, the whole campaign? So, uh, yeah, another another season to forget for them. Yeah, good shout. I went Lincoln. We we've spoken about them not having Brennan Johnson. I guess George Grant was a, a big loss as well, but they entertained us so much last season. It's just not happened this time round for them at all for West Brom I mean you know you think you're not having a very good season not getting good results and your football's really boring and the answer to that is appointing Steve Bruce is uh, quite extraordinary really uh, the most important category last Sam this is very much in your wheelhouse best touchline clobber given this far too much thought because I've got one for you from each division <laughs> the most prep I've done all season championship it's a bit monochrome but Russell Martin mm. Probably because of the good looks as well. Keeps it nice and simple. But yeah, quite enjoying him. League one, obviously Jacko, but that's nepotism of the highest order. <laughs> so I'm going Paul Warren. It's a little bit more leisure, but that woolly hat. And I think Rotherham does a nice line in in um, in their shop. Do you know what I mean? Nice trainers always. And if he's on the telly, he's just like nice knitted polo, Paul Warren. I think he always looks good. And I'm going in the league two... Rob Edwards. Mm, I'm saying like just quite effortlessly stylish, whether it's a tracksuit and and another good looking fella. Mm, So, mm. yeah, I think he he always looks good, Rob. Um, So it's been some season for him. Sam, I've got to tell you, Scott Parker's outside and he is absolutely fuming. (laughs) Yeah, but he, he wore that like weird... Padded. Puffer thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, there was almost like layers. a weight. Yeah, like a smart waistcoat. But oh, Scott Parker's yeah. nowhere near it for me. No, He's Scott... looking better at the moment. I've no. commended him for his recent like no. Arquette model look, but he ruined it with that no. 17 layers on a hot South Coast day earlier in the season. No, it. Who are you having instead then, Clarky? I went Paul Warren just for the hat as well. Yeah, way. I think we've got, I think we've got got the best the best of the bunch to be honest. I had Rob Edwards down. I, I like the smart casual look. I just like a smart smart little just zip up zip up top. With, you know, with it, with it, with a with a tight jean or a trouser. Carlos um, Corber, I'm not featuring here. Featuring no, here. no, it's too many pastel colours for me. Mm. Uh, way too light in 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 his choice of of gear. The one, so Russell Martin was my number one. Rob Edwards was number two. In at three, it's another pretty good looking lad. It's Marco Silva. I think he always looks pretty sharp. You got to say he's uh, he looks like he wears expensive gear. 
um, doesn't he, Marco Silva? We, none of us could afford what he's wearing, so um, it's worth a mention. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, right, when we're back on Thursday, we're going to be looking ahead to the final day of the regular season. So much to sort out. It's going to be fascinating, particularly after those midweek matches. The picture will be a little clearer by then. Until then, many thanks to Adrian, to Sam and to Doogie for their company today and to Phil for joining us too. We'll catch up with you again on Thursday. Have a great week. Until then, goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic.